One of the classes that I took in seminary was a class in patristics. It's a study of the early church fathers and sort of a history of the earliest decades or centuries of the church itself. And one of the people that we studied in patristics class was a man by the name of Tertullian. He was an early church father uh, who was originally from Carthage, uh, but made his way to Rome at some point. And he wrote a work called Apology that sought to defend the concept of Christianity itself and was also uh, a work that was demanding legal protection for believers in the Roman Empire. And he wrote some beautiful words that I think resonated with me as I was reflecting on this gospel. He wrote this about the early church community. We were a body knit together as such by a common religious profession, by unity of discipline and by the bond of a common hope. We meet together as an assembly and congregation that offering up prayer to God as with united force, we may wrestle with him in our supplications and prayers. But it is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand upon us. See how they love one another, they say. For while others are animated by mutual hatred, how ready we are to die for one another, while others would sooner be put to death. See how they love one another. That was, this is the words of Tertullian talking about how other people saw the early church. That when they saw Christians, they would say, see how they love one another was a hallmark of the early Christians. That was what fascinated, perplexed, and attracted everyday Roman citizens to this new way of life. It's what the early church was known for among the citizenry of which they lived. It was a defining characteristic of the early church. See how they love one another. I've always wished that that would be the one thing I would be known for. Maybe other than a mediocre golf game and really not needing a sound system to talk with other people. But it's, it's so interesting. It's so interesting to see that that was what distinguished the early church from everyone else. Their mutual love for one another. And certainly we can say that that mutual love was inspired and spurred by the gospel that we just heard. We are commanded by our God to love him with all our hearts soul and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. This is at the heart of the gospel message, at the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And we can't forget that these are, in fact, commandments from our God, all akin and alongside those ten commandments in Moses. We can say that the first three commandments of Moses deal with loving God, and then the other seven deal with loving our neighbor. But these are commands of Jesus. They weren't just nice things that Jesus said, but a commandment, a mandate to everyone who was to follow him in the future. And these two commandments, brothers and sisters, have spawned so much of the church's work in the world Again, this was something that was so evident in the earliest days of the church that Tertullian wrote about it. Again, talking about what distinguished believers from others. It was evident in the earliest decades and centuries of the church, these deeds of love and deeds of mercy. And for us, we can even think about whether it's our outreach to the poor, 
the work that we do to witness to the dignity and sanctity of every person, and even our ministry to the sick and to the dying. And of course, these things just scratch the surface of what believers do each day around the world in the name of Jesus, to fulfill the mandate that we hear from Christ today. And while these acts of charity are wonderful and noble, and the love of our neighbor that we have is such a witness to the state of the church, I would argue that the noblest act of love has already been demonstrated, most specifically on the cross. After all, there's no better way to love our God with our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself, than what Christ has already done for us. And when Christ said these words today in the gospel, love our God with our whole, our whole heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself, when he said those words, he had his own cross in mind. He had the crucifixion in mind. Because when we see the cross, brothers and sisters, we ought to see the highest love. We ought to see unconditional love. When we see the cross, we see the love of our God for us, but also the love to which we are all called. Today's gospel, brothers and sisters, does not make sense without the cross. It means nothing without it. It has no aim without the cross. And so yes, we, we are often quite gung-ho about loving our neighbor and loving our God, but when the cross enters into that equation, there can be a little bit of hesitancy, I think, on our parts. It can maybe even give us pause. We can sometimes love acts of mercy and love, but we can be afraid of where those acts of love and mercy come from. Again, namely the cross and Calvary. And I think this stems from the idea, it's well-intentioned for sure, that no one deserves to go through the cross. That to love someone means to help them avoid that suffering and the cross. Again, after all, we can sometimes think, again, well-intentioned, that you know Jesus didn't deserve the cross, so why should we? And that's fair enough. But the cross was not something our Lord Jesus Christ shied away from. In fact, when Simon Peter told him, you know, God forbid, Lord, that something like that should ever happen to you, what was Jesus' response? Get behind me, Satan. That was his response. The path to loving our God and to loving our neighbor will go through the cross, brothers and sisters. It is the only way that we get there. And to love our neighbor well, to love our neighbor well does not mean to just alleviate suffering. As good of an aim as that is, to love our neighbor well is to help them and strengthen them for the journey to the cross, just as Simon of Cyrene did for Jesus. There is a true fraternity there, a brotherly and sisterly care for one another when we help another to make it to the cross. And it's an acknowledgement that we cannot remove the cross from our lives but we can at least bear a share of its weight on our shoulders rather than letting someone else bear all of it on their own. Again, see how they love one another. It's a beautiful reason why Tertullian wrote those beautiful words. Because if you think about it, anyone, even an atheist, can do great works of mercy to the poor. It's the case today, and it was the case back in Tertullian's time. I'm sure there were a lot of very pious pagans who did works of charity for others, and that's a good thing. 
But only the Christian, only the believer can do those things and have them point to something more profound. When we do acts of mercy and charity, it is meant not just for the sake of that act and that person we are helping, it is to make Christ and his cross visible to the world and the unconditional love our God has for us. Only through Christian love of God and neighbor can we reveal to the world the mercy and tenderness of a God who took these words of the gospel to heart and lived them with everything that he had. So brothers and sisters, this command of our God today is bold. It is grand and it is very meaningful. This great mandate to serve one another and care for the vulnerable and see in others the face of Jesus. But let us also remember where these great works of mercy come from and to where they are directed. And through our love of neighbor expressed in this great commandment, may we have the love of our God inflaming us and make his love visible to those around us.